Welcome to the Agris Law Firm video podcast. We are a different kind of law firm and that's on purpose. At Agris Law Firm, we see you as a person and not just a client. And that makes us better at what we do. We're not just lawyers and you're not just a client. We're friends, neighbors, and family. This is a show about all things legal-ish that friends, neighbors, and family wanna know. Today, we're talking with Azeen and Steve of Team Rehab. Team Rehab is a network of therapist-owned outpatient physical therapy clinics in Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Azeen is a business development manager at Team Rehab, and Steve is a, a clinic director, partner, and regional manager at Team Rehab. Azeen and Steve, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Uh, doing well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this is great. I know we were talking about this for a couple of weeks, so I'm excited that uh, both of you are here. So why don't you go ahead, uh, introduce yourself, let our viewers know a little bit more about who you are and uh, what you do. So my name is Azine. Um, I am, as Mike mentioned, you know, the business development manager at Team Rehab, but um, I focus mainly on the work comp and personal injury side of things of business development at Team Rehab. So I've been in this industry for 11 years now. Um, I've been at Team for five years. And I mean, this is a very niche but interesting realm of the world for me with personal injury and work comp. And um, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past 11 years. Awesome. And I'm Steve Bainey. Um, I am a physical therapist. Um, I'm the clinic director for our clinic out in Elgin. Um, I've been with Team Rehab for the past five years. We opened the Elgin Clinic in 2016, um, and I've been a physical therapist for uh, over 10 years now. Um, I serve as the clinic director here in Elgin, but I also work as kind of a regional mentor, as Mike alluded to. Um, I help advise a number of our clinics in the Illinois region. Um, so our clinic, uh, we have five therapists in our clinic. We have a great team and uh, we see a wide range of injuries and diagnoses. You guys live, or do you live uh, near Elgin, Steve? Um, I live about 25 minutes north and west of Elgin. So uh, we're out in the cornfield. So uh, <laughs> pretty far outside of the city. Well, so cornfields, tell me where. Yeah, we live uh, near Marengo. So between Hampshire and Marengo. Okay. Uh, a small little uh, subdivision out where it's still rural and, uh, and yet still a lot of space. So awesome. We, we've got five kids, so we needed the space for them to run around. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Azine, you're still in the city, right? Yep. I live um, in the city currently with a five month old, and we're running out of space. So <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there, how long we'll be in the city. Totally. Yeah, uh, my wife and I moved out to Elmhurst uh, about four and a half years ago. So we had our first kid in the city. She was pregnant with number two and we wanted a backyard in a basement. So here we are. Uh, so before we dive in, I've got to tell you uh, both a story here. So I, I always give lawyers a hard time. I, I think they earn their reputation and then they always complain about why people hate lawyers. Uh, but one, one thing that's funny about lawyers is they're always the first one to put all of their uh, diplomas up, their plaques up. And, you know, they're always, they're always super proud of that. And I think that, I think, uh, I don't want to get too far into it, but I think lawyers are, uh, they're an interesting group of people. Um, and most of them, I'm not a, not a fan of, but anyway, so Steve, so I've just got JD uh, after my name. And then Steve, as we were preparing, I saw, which makes me a little bit envious. You have PT, DPT, 
OCS and CIMT after your name, which is impressive. I, I like it. So tell yeah. me what it all stands for. A lot of tests. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So what's it all stand for? Uh, so PT is physical therapist. DPT just it signifies that I have a, a doctorate in physical therapy, which is the standard entry-level degree at this point in physical therapy. Um, OCS is an orthopedic clinical specialist, so um, I specialize in orthopedics. Um, there's In the world of physical therapy, there's also like neurologic physical uh, specialists, there's pediatric specialists, so um, I specialize in orthopedics. Um, and then CIMT is a certification that I took in manual therapy. Um, so I took a number of courses and a long exhausting test uh, to just be certified as a manual therapist. So do a lot of hands-on work, a lot of manual therapy, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. But um, but yeah, that's what the initials stand for. And uh, again, just a lot of tests and a lot of money into that. Nice. Totally. Well, I've, there's probably a lot of lawyers out there that would be jealous. So anyway, very, very impressive. So um, let's talk about team rehab. Uh, how did it how did it get started? What's its mission? Sure. So uh, Team Rehab, we got our start back in the early 2000s in Michigan. Uh, we had uh, one clinic out there that um, a group of actually consultants um, kind of jumped in to help uh, help the, the therapy clinic uh, turn things around. Um, so from there, it went from one clinic um, to now almost 110 clinics. So uh, we got our start in Metro Detroit. Uh, you know, we are a company that you know really prides ourselves on clinic ownership. So every one of those 110 clinics is partially owned by the clinic director of that clinic and partially owned by Team Rehab. Um, so we're a company that values that ownership piece. Um, and we also give all of our clinic directors a whole lot of autonomy in how those clinics run. So the clinic director gets to make uh, the vast majority of the day-to-day -day decisions in those clinics. Uh, and so it's a great model that's been very successful. You know, when you own something, you treat it very differently, um, you know, than if you're just showing up to work. So the ownership, the ownership has definitely been one of our um, core values, our, you know, key in our strategy. Um, and from Michigan, we kind of branched out uh, maybe six years ago outside of Michigan to Indiana and Illinois, okay. um, slowly growing those markets. We grew up in Wisconsin and then um, down into Georgia, and our Georgia market is uh, taking off quite rapidly. So, um, so the word is out, and the model's growing. That's awesome. It's exciting. So, is that common with physical therapy places? Like, you know, some of the other ones that come to mind would be like Athletico or Illinois Bone and Joint. Do is Team Rehab uh, set up and structure where they're individually owned? Is that unique to Team Rehab? Yeah, it's very unique. Um, there are very few models out there that I'm aware of that give, um, you know, true to the clinic directors include a lot of, you know, profit share or bonus structures, but, you know, actually owns a piece of that. So, you know, if they were to leave at some point, they have, you know, uh, equity to sell in their business. Cool. So tell me, I was on the website, uh, tell the viewers a little bit about Team Rehab's core strategies. So our core strategies are, I mean, it's patient-centered. Everything is about the patient. And just like, I like how your model of Agris Law is, they're not a client. So at Team Rehab, especially with the ownership that, Steve has in his clinic and every clinic director has. Um, um, we don't view patient as a patient. It is Mrs. Smith coming in for physical therapy. 
Um, so it is very patient and employee focused, um, which was super attractive for me. And I think Steve as well, because we came both came from different places uh, prior to team rehab that we wanted to make sure that, you know, you're working somewhere that you don't have to see 50 patients a day and it's patient one, two, and three. You really can spend the time and Steve can say, okay, I know that Mrs. Smith needs one-on-one -on -one attention, or I know that um, she likes to spend extra time focusing on this. He can block his schedule without anyone coming to him and saying, no, you have to see this number of patients. So I always like to reference it kind of like if you go to see a doctor at a hospital system, um, they're working for the hospital. They have their schedule. They see their patients. They're done. Um, versus if you go to a private practice orthopedic office, um, I feel like private practice orthopedic office, they spend more time with the patient. Um, right. you know, they have more autonomy to say, I need to spend more time with this patient. Um, I can't rush into the next room right now. Um, I like to make that analogy of we really do spend time with the patients and make them feel comfortable of we, um, not myself, because I'm not a clinician by any means, but Steve is here to treat you and truly cares about getting you better. Got it. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, my dad uh, retired a handful of years ago. He was a cardiologist for 40 years and he started the group he was in and then slowly over the years lost control. And then, you know, um, uh, private equity bought a portion of the group and then the hospital, you know, and so he, it's, it's refreshing to hear both of you say that it's, you know, patient driven and it's a different experience as opposed to you're just a number getting get out. Um, cause I've talked to my dad about that extensively and I think it's, um, it makes a big difference. Um, so anyway, uh, it's cool that you share that same philosophy. Uh, let's switch gears for a second. Uh, you know, my clients come in, we do personal injury. Um, and always a big thing in the beginning is, you know, someone's injured, they're in an accident or whatever it is. And we're always trying to figure out, okay, um, do you have med pay coverage? Um, are we dealing with an at-fault driver's insurance company that's, you know, reasonable? Or are we dealing with someone substandard and it's going to be a fight? And, um, so my clients are always asking me, what am I going to do about medical bills? How am I going to pay for these things? So along those lines, uh, what type of uh, insurances uh, or what type of insurance does team rehab accept as far as private health insurance companies or Medicare, Medicaid, along those lines? Yeah, so. Yeah, ahead. sure. We, um, we actually accept quite a few insurance providers. Um, we're, all our clinics are in network with Blue Cross Blue Shield and Medicare. Um, we recently got in network with United Healthcare. Um, there's a couple of other um, insurance carriers that we're working on getting in network with. Um, right now, most of our clinics um, are not seeing much from a Medicaid standpoint, um, but we, we do see a lot of Blue Cross and a lot of Medicare. Okay. And let's say someone comes to you, uh, they were involved in a uh, car accident, they don't have health insurance, and um, you know they're, uh, they went to the emergency room, saw their doctor, they got a referral um, to go get physical therapy, and they ended up at team rehab. And if they don't have health insurance, are there options 
uh, for example, could you lean the, you know, lean the file or have some other structure where someone who needs to get physical therapy can get it, even though they don't have health insurance? Absolutely. Um, kind of like what I mentioned, it's, our model is really to get the patient better. So we will, there's options, we will make it work um, for the patient, but we absolutely accept cases on lanes. Okay, great. Uh, that's good to hear. We have clients who come in all the time who are concerned about that. And so from our perspective, it's nice to know places out there will take care of people, even though they may not have health insurance or maybe their health insurance only covers a certain amount of visits. So um, that's good to know. Why don't we get into some of the um, like primary um, services or specialties that Team Rehab offers? Sure. So um, most of our clinics, I mean, we, we do physical therapy. So we see a little bit of everything, you know, primarily orthopedic uh, related, some neurologic conditions, um, but we see everything from neck pain to back pain. You know, we see torn rotator cuffs, we see hip and knee replacements. Uh, we provide um, a lot of unique services, um, but it's kind of all rooted in a, in a, a manual therapy approach where we you know, really value getting our hands on the patient. And, um, you know, physical therapy is, you know, really all about restoring human movement. So, you know, we have patients that come in with some sort of a movement dysfunction and, you know, they're in pain and, and our job is to try to correct that and fix it. Um, so, you know, almost all of our clinics see the orthopedic conditions. We do have some specialized clinics in Michigan. We have a pediatric clinic. We have clinics that specialize in work conditioning and work hardening. Most of our clinics do FCEs. Um, so we really cover the gamut as far as the services that we offer and provide. Okay. Um, why don't we talk about for a second, the uh, Stephen, this will likely be directed at you. Tell me a little bit about education, training. I know we joked about it in the beginning with, <laughs> with your title that I saw on LinkedIn and copied down, but tell me uh, what type of uh, education training does a physical therapist uh, go through? Sure. Um, so physical therapy school, um, you, know, you need to graduate from undergrad and have an undergraduate degree to apply to PT school. Um, you can really have an undergraduate degree at undergraduate degree in just about anything, um, you just have to take the prerequisites to apply to PT school. Uh, once you're in PT school, it's pretty much three years full-time study. Um, the first couple of years are all in the classroom and the last year is a lot of clinical rotations. So you're out you know, in the field, um, working in different settings, you know, it's more on the job, kind of hands-on training. Um, so after those three years, uh, you sit for a board exam, um, like you do in a lot of healthcare professions, um, like I mentioned in the opening, the standard kind of entry level degree at this point is a doctorate degree. So um, all PT students are, are completing some sort of um, doctoral dissertation. Um, it's a clinical doctorate that you obtain. Um, and from there, you graduate as a generalist. You can go out and practice in sort of any field you want. Um, and then you can specialize from there. Um, in the world of physical therapy, we've really kind of shifted towards doing residencies and fellowships um, as well. And so you can become even more specialized. Okay. Um, and tell me, tell me how you would describe, like in a nutshell, what is physical therapy? Why is it important? And what's the difference between a physical therapist and a chiropractor? Sure. Uh, so physical therapy um, is really all about restoring human movement. And, you know, we have patients that come to see us because they're hurting from 
you know, one reason or another. We see patients who are, you know, just had surgery, they're post-operative, or they have an acute injury, you know, like a car accident, you know, or they just have chronic pain, you know, they have prolonged arthritis that's, that's causing pain in a joint. Um, so patients come in and they have movement problems and, and, you know, PTs really are the, the experts in human movement. So our job is to restore correct movement patterns, to decrease pain, to um, help really get the patient back to, you know, their optimal performance and a pain-free lifestyle. Um, you know, there's actually a fair amount of similarity between chiropractors and PTs. You know, we both see acute and, um, and chronic pain. Um, we both really advocate a hands-on approach to treatment. So we really value kind of getting our hands on and, and correcting a, a movement pattern through different manual therapy techniques. Um, we tend to see patients for a very definitive amount of time. You know, patients come to a physical therapist um, typically with a prescription for therapy, and we set up a of care for you know a certain number of times per week for a certain number of weeks, and um, and you know we're we're really utilized in a in a small window of time to get patients back into their their optimal you know optimal performance. And you, you brought something up that's interesting that I wanted to ask you. Um, you said that it's usually they're coming to you. They've got a, uh, uh, script for, uh, they've seen someone and they've been referred to you. Do, can people sometimes come to you? Like, let's say for example, you get in a car accident you go to the emergency room, um, and they're, you know, discharged and nothing's broken pain meds, anti-inflammatories. And they say you should follow up with your doctor. Uh, can people come? straight directly to you or do they need to go see a primary or an orthopod to get a referral to come see you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and actually patients can come directly to a physical therapist now. Uh, that is uh, through a lot of hard work a couple of years ago in the profession of physical therapy to gain what we've called direct access, um, where you can come to a physical therapist without a physician script. Um, there are a few nuances written to the rule where um, you know, physical therapists are required to refer out to, um, to a primary care doc or an orthopedic specialist. Um, but now that the profession has moved towards a doctorate degree, you know, therapists are, are really trained to be that entry-level provider. Um, so patients can come directly to a physical therapist. Um, you know, we do our best to evaluate that patient. If it's something that's a, you know, we would deem a musculoskeletal injury, um, you know, we can treat them. And if we feel like it's something a little bit more serious that's out of the practice of PT, you know, then we have a network of people that we can try to refer them to. Got it. And um, Azim, this probably is more geared towards uh, you. We had talked in the beginning a little bit about personal injury, workers comp. Um, I think you had said there's 110 locations. Um, yes. So do you have an idea of like the percentage of patients who come in that you see? Are they, is it, you know, 50-50 from uh, comp personal injury or, you know, compared to someone who maybe they had like a hip replacement and they're coming in, you know, to do post-surgical therapy. So the question is like in general, what percentage, if you have an idea of the patient's team rehab sees, what are they there for? Is it injury related or is it more so surgical related? Yeah, so every state's different. Every clinic is even different. Um, we have certain clinics that the percentage of car accidents or work um, injuries percentages are higher. Um, I would say overall, team rehab is mainly treating, you know, the soft tissue injuries, or if it's, um, you know, someone that's just having common day 
aches and pains. Right. Um, so private health insurance is probably the bulk for all states overall, if you had to combine the numbers. Um, again, just certain states have higher volume of auto. Um, certain clinics have higher volume of auto just because of where they are geographically. But I don't know the percentages offhand. It's really specific to specific clinics. But I would say the bulk of our business is private health insurance. Got it. And you brought up something that was uh, that I'm going to segue into because it was one of my questions. And this is probably going to be for Steve. You had mentioned soft tissue uh, injuries. And in, um, in my field with personal injury, um, it's, you know, I, we were joking around about uh, before the show started about like, oh, that's a, that's a dirty word. Uh, it, you know, things that we were joking around about practice, whatever. Um, anyway, in my industry, um, I, I feel like that's almost a dirty word where, um, you know, the insurance adjuster on the other end of the case is when we're trying to settle is like, oh, it's just a soft tissue injury, right? Um, so Steve, tell me what is a soft tissue injury and why is it, you know, and I'll give you a story about myself because it happened to me, but people say soft tissue, like it's not a big deal. Um, I went through something and it was, I didn't appreciate soft tissue injuries until after it. So what is it and sort of explain why it is a, a big deal, right? Sure. Um, I mean, soft tissue soft tissue injury is really a very generalized term. I mean, we have a lot of soft tissue in the body. You know, I think from muscles to tendons to ligaments, um, you, you could classify nerve in there too. I mean, there's just a lot of soft tissue that can be injured. So um, there's various degrees of injury when it, when it comes to the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons. Um, you can have a very simple ankle sprain um, or you could have something very complex um, that's going on with the soft tissue. Um, soft tissue injuries can be some of um, heart injuries, some of the most severe injuries, you know, I think sometimes people think, you know, if it's not a broken bone, it really doesn't matter. Um, but you know, the tendons that, you know, attach the muscle to the bone when those are torn, you know, they don't just heal themselves. Um, you know, a lot of times it requires a surgery to go back in and fix that. And, you know, so soft injuries, soft tissue injuries can be very severe. They can impact the daily life of patients in, in very significant ways and limit, you know, their functional abilities. And I think what's interesting, and, you know, I, th I think State Farm would say that, right? In an auto case, they'd be like, well, it's not a broken bone. This is just soft tissue. But I, so I hear that all the time. But I think what's also interesting about soft tissue, unlike a broken bone, is it doesn't show up on an x-ray or an MRI. And it's, uh, you know, oftentimes can be trickier to treat, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the treatment for it is oftentimes not, not nearly as straightforward, um, you know, sometimes if you, you break a bone, you put some plates and screws in there and fix it. But if you have, you know, a tendon or a muscle or a ligament injury, you know, oftentimes the, it's not as straightforward of how you get that problem to resolve. Right. So about 10 years ago, I, um, I run and uh, I was running in the city, just typical run. And I ran off um, like a curb or sidewalk or something. And in my mind, I thought that whatever I was landing on was like two inches higher or lower or whatever, but my mind, there was just some little trick in my mind. And literally I tweaked my lower back and I'd never had what I would call a soft tissue injury before. And I tweaked my back and like the next day I woke up and I could barely like get out of bed. I couldn't get dressed. It was the craziest thing in the world. 
Um, my wife went to college with uh, someone who ended up becoming a physical therapist at uh, Illinois Bone and Joint. I ended up uh, seeing a doctor, getting some anti-inflammatories, and I went over there for like a month. And it was wild how helpful it was. So I, I didn't appreciate a soft tissue injury until it happened to me. And then I was like, oh, I'll just take the meds and I'll be fine. And I talked to my wife's friend and she's like, no, she's like, you have Blue Cross Blue Shield, come in, this will be great. And I went and saw her twice a week for a month. And it was incredible. I mean, it was awesome because it was like having a personal trainer. But what was also great about it too is, I mean, she really whipped me back into shape in the sense of like back into shape to like heal this injury. And yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, that's a good example. I mean, because one of the tissues that I didn't mention there is the disc. I mean, the disc would be considered a soft tissue injury or a soft tissue in the lumbar spine or the cervical spine. And, you know, those disc injuries, you know, there's a whole spectrum of, of problems that those can cause, you know, anything from just a mild ache in the low back to, you know, a patient not being able to move and having numbness and tingling and running down their leg. And, um, and so the, like you're saying, the, the treatment for that is not always straightforward. Right. Um, I had, when this happened to me, I had, I blew cross blue shield PPO. It was great. They let me go in, you know, uh, two times a week. I think I went for four weeks. Um, while we're talking about that and we get a lot of questions too, from our clients who are going through physical therapy and, you know, maybe it lasts two months or three months and they're, you know, they start asking, Hey, um, at what, you know, is insurance eventually going to stop paying? So what do you normally see when you're dealing with private insurance? Is there sort of a set standard, like, you can get, you can go to physical therapy 30 times a year or 50 times a year. Or is it more case specific or injury specific? It's typically insurance specific. So there's a, uh, been a wide range of, um, you know, I guess allowances or limitations in terms of um, visit allotment. Um, you know, most, uh, most injuries, you know, you're seeing those patients for two to three times a week for four to six weeks. Um, you know, some of your post-operative diagnoses like a, um, a spinal fusion or um, a rotator cuff repair, things like that can take a lot longer. ACL reconstruction can take three, four or five months in physical therapy. Um, but some plans allow, you know, I've seen um, insurance plans that allow 120 visits a year. Wow. Um, our plan at Team Rehab allows for 60 visits, you know, some are 30 and, you know, some are less than that. Um, so there are a lot of limitations and, you know, some insurances control those visits a lot more than others. So, you know, even though your plan might have 60 visits, you know, the insurance company may only let you use 20 of those for a certain condition. So um, every plan really varies. Got it. And I, I take it with uh, car accidents, comp, you know, personal injury cases, you probably see a lot of soft tissue injuries and a lot of patients coming in with soft tissue injuries. Yeah, definitely. With, uh, especially with, with motor vehicle accidents, you know, we see like whiplash is a very common um, term that's used for soft tissue injuries in the neck. I mean, you can, uh, whiplash injury can cause a lot of trauma to the soft tissue in the neck. Yeah. And what would you recommend to people? Cause I get this all the time where someone calls me and they say, I was just involved in a car accident. Um, I, um, you know, I was shaken up. I was frightened. I was scared. And like my neck's a little bit sore and I don't really think I need to go to the doctor. Um, and I always tell people, um, go, go somewhere. So it's documented oftentimes, you know, you're not like, I remember when I tweaked my back, I, I walked home, but I was, I mean, I was fine. I took some Advil and like, I could function, but literally the rest of the, or like when I woke up the next morning, I was like, this is so debilitating. 
So I always tell people, I always tell people who call us like they were involved in an accident. Sometimes it's like they just got home or it's the next day. And I always tell them, just go see someone to get it documented, whether it's your primary, whether it's a urgent care facility, emergency room or whatever, because oftentimes there's a delay from the car accident till you start seeing symptoms. And then I give them or feeling symptoms and I give them my firsthand experience of like, hey, I tweaked my back. I was fine the rest of the day. And so why is that? Why is it where, you know, people will be in a rear end car accident, they're shaken up and they're a little bit sore, they don't go get treatment. And then two or three days later, they're like, I can't move. What is that? I, I see that often with uh, soft tissue cases. Yeah, that's very common. Um, you know, almost always patients will say after an accident, they feel okay. They, you know, they decline going to the hospital. Um, they go home and it's, you know, after a night's sleep, they wake up the next morning and, you know, they have a hard time getting out of bed. Um, I think, you know, part of it is attributed to the human body. It's kind of an amazing machine that, you know, after an accident, you're, you've got a lot of adrenaline and endorphins pumping that you don't necessarily feel an injury. And sometimes it takes a little while for the damage to that soft tissue to really settle in to the point, you know, where, where you feel it. And, you know, even after a night of, of laying down, you know, the body, you know, everything stops moving and, and a lot of that, you know, the, the inflammatory process and things like that kick on and, you know, and then, you know, the next day is a train wreck. So I agree with you. I mean, you should always, always have it, um, you know, have it documented of what happened and, you know, show that you took the step to get the care initiated. Right. You're better off going and not needing follow-up care than waiting and, you know, having to, having to have more serious care later on down the road. Totally. And I tell, I verbatim, I tell my clients who call me that all the time where I say, just go get it documented. It's much better if you feel fine in a week and you don't pursue anything than if you don't go and you wait a week, because then the insurance company will say, well, if you were injured, you would have gone to the emergency room. So anyway, um, speaking of that advice, what is like, what, what would be your best advice um, that you would give patients who are going through physical therapy or if, you know, like my clients were listening in on this podcast, um, what's your number one advice or pointer for people who are going through physical therapy? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, my, my best advice is, you know, every accomplishment really starts with the decision to try, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get back to a normal lifestyle, if you're gonna get back to a healthy lifestyle, it starts day one with that, you know, commitment to trying to improve, um, you know, it's important for you to incorporate, you know, the plan of care into your life, you know, we see patients, you know, on average, maybe three hours a week, you know, there's 165 more hours in a, in a week that you have to take care of yourself. So um, as much as we can do in the clinic, you also have to incorporate that into your daily routine. So, um, so you have to make the effort, you have to make the commitment. Uh, if we do our part and the patient does their part, you know, we'll get them back to, to a healthy lifestyle. Okay, perfect. That's, uh, yeah, that's really good advice. I always tell my clients, um, listen to what your doctor says, listen to what your physical therapist says. Um, when they set you up for physical therapy, go to your appointments. The, not only is the idea here to get better, but if you also like don't get treatment, that's what State Farm is going to point out. Why didn't you get treatment if you were, you know, so anyway, it's sort of twofold. Um, okay, this has been awesome. I want to switch gears to the last topic um, um, of the podcast. And we're going to go through some rapid fire questions. Um, and every time I say this, I, I get the same reaction. People get a little bit nervous because they're like, wait, Mike, uh, we asked for questions beforehand. Uh, why weren't these on here? Uh, these are going to be very easy. So uh, tell me your favorite animal. Dog for me. 
Dog. Do you guys both have dogs? I don't have a dog. Neither do I. I have five kids. <laughs> I don't need any more responsibility. I was, but it sounds like, I mean, you live in the cornfields. I'd imagine you're on a decent amount of land. You could. I grew up having a dog. And so for me, it's a dog. Same here. I grew up having a dog, but I don't currently have a dog. I, I'm of the mindset if I live in a high rise and there's not a yard for the dog to be playing in, then for me, in my mindset, it's not fair to the animal. Fair enough. Uh, what's your favorite app? Currently, it's Hatch. Hatch? Uh, What's Hatch? Yeah, it's Hatch. It was actually on Shark Tank, and that's how I discovered it. But um, it tracks my, I have a, a six-month-old now, and it tracks her sleeping and her feeding schedule. So um, if she's starting to get grumpy or something, my app will go off and say, time for feeding within the next 30 minutes and I'm like oh okay she's probably hungry cool um or it'll say it's been a two and a half hours since the last nap so it saved me from constantly looking at the clock to see oh when's nap time and trying to keep her on a schedule so currently in my current life that is my go-to app <laughs> nice and Steve great yeah um I have to say I probably spend most time on like LinkedIn you know I, I'm not uh, I don't have too many, um, you know, interesting apps that I use all that often, but, you know, LinkedIn, my Google calendar is uh, absolutely necessary. Yeah. Uh, so, so LinkedIn's a favorite of mine. It, you like looking at all the initial titles after your name on LinkedIn that I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite food. <laughs> Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I love food. So <laughs> that's a hard one to choose from, but um, I, I'm Persian. Um, I love Persian food. I don't cook it very well at all. So we go to my parents' house every Sunday for a family dinner and my mom cooks a big Persian feast. And my brother and I look forward to that every single Sunday. So I that's would awesome. Persian food would be my go-to. Nice. Steve. It's just a good uh, burger on the grill, you know, especially okay. the summertime, just, you know, grilling out a nice burger on the grill. Okay. Uh, what's your perfect uh, vacation? Let's start with you, Steve, so you don't have time to think. Yeah. So we actually, <laughs> we actually just got back from Napa last week and it was amazing. Oh, uh, so, where'd you uh, go? Uh, we went to six different wineries uh, okay. over the course of three days. Uh, Which ones? We went to Vengi, we went to Truchard. Went to Bell, Black Stallion, went to a place called Aeon Air and Pope Valley. Um, so uh, it was amazing. I'd love to go back. Um, but the perfect vacation for me really is uh, probably a mountain vacation. Um, you know, more of a mountain than a beach kind of guy. Got it. Uh, did you go to Visatui by chance when you were in Napa? We did not. No. Yeah. Uh, my wife, uh, we got married in Napa. I love Napa. We actually got married at Visa too, and that's why I was asking. So if you uh, live in California, well, if you live in Napa um, or you ask people in Napa where to go, they would never say go to Visa Tui. It would be like, um, it's like uh, the Disney world of Napa. But what's cool about it is, you know, it's over a hundred years old. Um, and as far as like going to, uh, they've got, uh, they're one of the few places that have like a kitchen cafe. So you can do a wine tasting and then you can go like pick up lunch, bottle of wine, go sit outside. It's absolutely beautiful, but they do like bust people in and, you know, so it's a little, anyway, I love Napa. Where did you guys stay? 
Uh, we just, we rented a house. My wife and I went with four other couples and we rented a house kind of just outside of the town of Napa. Okay. Do you remember what town? Oh uh, yeah. It was the city, like just town Napa. Um, oh, got it. We were just outside of there. Yeah. I love it there. Oh, I haven't been back in forever. Uh, yeah. Dean, what about you? Um, I would have to agree in terms of, so anytime that we plan a vacation, um, well, we set up a little bit of time for beach part of it, relax yeah. the first couple of days, but then we're always hiking, um, riding bikes. So I act, we actually got um, engaged in Calistoga. So we're big, we love wine, but it, Napa area and Calistoga, very, very um, special to us. We've been wanting to go back. We said probably for our five-year anniversary, we'll end up yeah. going back, but I'll definitely keep in mind the vineyards that you guys went to and mentioned, because I've never been to any of those. Um, but yeah, perfect vacation would probably be first couple days of beach relaxation from the hustle and bustle of life. Yeah. And then to explore, uh, visit different cities. We go to, we used to go to Europe all the time and we would yeah. go to a beach resort for a little bit and then we would uh, train to different cities and explore hiking, all of that. We should, so maybe for the podcast number two, we'll do it in Napa or Calistoga. Uh, right? yes. <laughs> That's a great idea. Done. <laughs> um, all right, uh, finish this sentence. We'll start with you, Steve. Weekends are for? Catching up. Cool, Azine. Weekends are for little girl. Um, she's in daycare throughout the week. And, you know, by the time that I pick her up, we've got about hour and a half to feeding, bath time, bedtime. So weekends really for me are all about, for my husband, I are all about our daughter right now. Cool. Um, and I just threw this one in this morning because it's, uh, I feel like the weather's finally warming up in Chicago, thankfully. So um, what's the first thing you're going to do now that the weather's warming up a little bit? And I, and the city's sort of loosening their, uh, their restrictions too. So Steve? Uh, probably get outside and play some sports with my kids. Cool. Cooped up inside. So our son just started some soccer. So get outside and play some sports with them. Nice. Um, kayaking for me. Where are you going to go kayaking? Probably do what we never said we would do and do the Chicago River kayaking. <laughs> we always would, we always walk the river walk and we're like, why would you do that? That looks so terrible. And these big boats are going by and causing these waves and you're just in a little kayak next to them. But um, that's probably the first place we'll go since we're, I mean, we haven't been traveling with her, but yeah. Um, yeah, we would love to get to other places to go kayak, but the first place will probably be the Chicago River. <laughs> it literally, my wife and I would joke about the same thing too. That, we would look at people kayaking in the Chicago River, and I feel like every time we would see people, like thirty feet away, like on the shore, would be like foamy, weird yes. water, and we would say like. So anyway, good luck to you. <laughs> I know I will probably get in the kayak. We'll probably make it, I don't know, a couple feet away. And then I'll ask to turn around and come back. But it'll totally. be the first time. <laughs> I mean, I just, I picture the water being pretty dirty, but maybe that's yeah. just me. But um. <laughs>